Adobe Lightroom finally lands in the Mac App Store. Hasselblad has some new announcements as far as cameras are concerned. And we have some more sales and rebates for you. All of this in episode 25 of the Liam Photography Podcast. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 25. So the first bit of news I have for my listeners this week, Adobe Lightroom is now available through Apple's Mac App Store. This is the first major Adobe Creative Cloud app to be made available in the App Store, which was revamped by Apple when they launched Mac OS Mojave last year. The app is the cloud-based Lightroom, not the popular desktop and laptop-centric app that was formerly known as Lightroom before being renamed to Adobe Lightroom Classic. Lightroom is a free download from the Mac App Store and is included in your plan if you subscribe to a Creative Cloud subscription package that includes it. If not, you'll be able to use the downloaded Lightroom for a week, after which you will need to fork over a subscription fee of $10 per month if you'd like to keep using the app. And it comes with one terabyte of cloud storage for that $10 as well. The subscription is handled by Apple through your iTunes account, so you'll need to switch off auto-renew in your iTunes settings if you'd rather not start reoccurring payments for the app. If you want to head on over to the listing in the Mac App Store to download Adobe Lightroom for your Mac through that channel, I will go ahead and include that for all of my listeners in the show notes so that you can go ahead and check it out. Now, one thing I do want to add, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to poo-poo on Adobe or anything like that. I'm personally not a big fan of this version of Lightroom because it's entirely cloud-based only. So it does not have a lot of the adjustments and the capabilities that the conventional Lightroom, which is now called Lightroom Classic, has. I've been using Lightroom for quite some time. The first version I bought, I think, was Lightroom 3. And um, that was back in the days when you could buy it as a standalone app, or you could also get it as part of the Creative Cloud suite if you were uh, somebody that needed to have all of their other applications for doing different things like Illustrator, and InDesign and all of those creative apps, then you could buy the CS6 uh, package and you could get everything. But it it was fairly expensive. Don't get me wrong. It was not not inexpensive proposition by far. Adobe software has always been very, very expensive. And it is good software and a lot of people like using it. Um, I think Lightroom is probably still the number one photo editing software for most photographers. But... Some newer software is starting to take a bite out of Lightroom's pie, and uh, one of the big ones is Capture One. Capture One is some really awesome software. I've played around with it myself for a couple of years now. I haven't gotten to the point where I use that instead of Lightroom, but there are some times where I like to use it. Um, And it does pretty much all of the same stuff Lightroom does. As a general rule, it runs faster than Lightroom. Because one of the things I want to remind my listeners again is Lightroom is not 
a photo editor per se. Lightroom's first function is as a database program. And if you know anything about database programs, the more, you know, the larger the database becomes, the slower everything works, you know, everything slows down, the processing power is cut down, and then you start getting, you know, the, the ridiculous lag time when you're, when you're trying to load or when you're trying to switch between the tools, you know, from the, the library tab to the develop module and so on and so forth. Uh, now, Lightroom does have the ability to, if you go into the menu, you can go in um, the primary menu, I think it is, and there is an option to optimize the database. And I recommend you do that on a regular basis. Um, I also don't recommend, and some people like to do this, but I'm not a fan of it. I don't recommend that you create one Lightroom catalog and use it forever because the bigger that catalog gets, the slower Lightroom is going to start running. And it's just the nature of the beast because, like I said, it's primarily a database program. And with any database, the bigger it gets, the more quote-unquote bloated it gets, the worse the performance gets. So there are some tweaks and stuff you can do to Lightroom to improve the performance a bit in the preferences, uh, some of the preference settings. And I'll talk about that more in another episode. Uh, I may do an episode um, completely on Lightroom and, and how to optimize it and get, get the best performance out of it because I know Lightroom is an extremely so uh, popular software. But my point I want to get back to is I'm just not a big fan of the Lightroom CC, the cloud-only based version of Lightroom. So I would not jump on this personally. I prefer, instead of paying 10 bucks a month for Lightroom CC, which is the cloud-only version, I prefer to be on the Adobe Photographer program where I pay 10 bucks a month and I get the full-blown desktop Lightroom, plus I get the latest version of Photoshop. So yes, it's costing me $120 a year, but I am getting Lightroom and Photoshop both, and I get all of their updates because as long as you maintain your subscription, you, know, you get the continuing updates to each program, which is really handy. But I will definitely put a link in the show notes. There are some people that really like just the cloud-based version of Lightroom. It has started to gain some popularity with, with some photographers, so I will definitely include a link in the show notes. And I'm not trying to discourage any of my listeners from trying it out. I checked it out on the Mac App Store. You can download it and try it free for seven days. But as I mentioned, make sure you turn off uh, the auto renew in your account settings in iTunes. So you don't, you know, if you get past the seven day mark, you don't automatically start getting ham, you know, hit on your, your credit card that's on your account um, for that $10 charge if you didn't plan on keeping it. So automatic, turn off the automatic renewal, download it, give it a try for seven days, you know, kick the tire, so to speak, and see if it's the program for you. Now, the good thing is, just like with the original desktop version of Lightroom, which is now called Lightroom Classic, uh, with the CC version, you can also get a mobile app from the App Store. And there are two versions of the mobile app, so keep that in mind. There is the standard Lightroom mobile app that is the companion to Lightroom Classic. And then there's a Lightroom CC app, which is the one that partners with this cloud-based only version of Lightroom that you would use on your desktop. So keep that in mind. I don't want you know people getting confused. Because um, I've seen it happen to some people, you know, they downloaded the wrong Lightroom app and they were like, well, the, the app was supposed to be free. Why am I all of a sudden getting charged money every month for an app that's supposed to be free? And it's like, well, it's because you downloaded the wrong version. You didn't download the 
companion app for Lightroom Classic, you download the companion app for Lightroom CC, and that one whacks you for 10 bucks a month or whatever the case may be. Um, so keep that in mind. The, the version that goes with Lightroom Classic is free. The version that goes with Lightroom CC, you do have to pay for. So then you're paying two charges. You're paying the one charge every month for the Lightroom CC, and you're paying again for the Lightroom CC mobile companion app. I think they do have some sort of thing where if you do get the Lightroom CC from the Mac App Store and you have the same iCloud ID on it and your mobile device, your iPad or iPad mini or iPhone or whatever the case may be, then I think at that point it will make the CC mobile app free for you because it'll detect that you're already paying the $10 a month for CC for the desktop. So I believe you can do that and it'll save you a few dollars um, off paying for both apps. So I definitely recommend try it out. Like I said, seven day free trial, turn off auto renew so you don't get whacked at the end of the seven days if you forget to cancel it and just go ahead and kick the tires and, and see if it does what you need it to do. It might be all you need or you might want to go with, with Lightroom Classic or some other possible photo editors. Like I said, there's Capture One. There's another great one that I've been playing around with called Luminar. Luminar 3, uh, they introduced libraries, uh, very similar, similar to Lightroom. And again, it loads a lot faster than Lightroom because it's not primarily a database program. Um, and there's some others out there. There's GIMP, which is more of a Photoshop replacement. That's totally free and available for Windows, Linux, and Mac, all three. But anyways, I don't want to, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent on this Lightroom article, but I did want to make my listeners aware and like I said, I'll go ahead and include the link to go directly to it in the Mac App Store in the show notes for this episode. Now, the next bit of news I want to talk about is coming from Hasselblad. Hasselblad is announcing the new 907X, and they say it's the smallest medium format camera body ever. The... Pair, oh, I'm sorry, paired with the upcoming CFV Mark II 50C digital back, photographers will be able to shoot medium format digital photography with a classic Hasselblad experience. The new body and back will connect Hasselblad's photographic history into one system, the company says. The CFV Mark II 50C digital back will contain a 50 megapixel CMOS sensor that measures 43.8 by 32.9 millimeters. The back will be compatible with most V-system cameras made from 1957 onwards, so that's, that's pretty impressive. Design-wise, the CFV Mark II 50C features the look of Hasselblad's famous medium format systems, beloved by photographers all over the world for many, many years. So it will blend in perfectly when paired with older bodies. At the rear of the back is a tilted touchscreen for handling settings, reviewing photos, and navigating the menu. The rechargeable battery is fully integrated into the back, which means less flexibility when it comes to power management, but an overall reduction in size. The back can also be recharged in camera using a standard USB-C port cable. The Ultra Compact 907X provides the smallest possible option for using a V-System back. And the, the images are beautiful of the camera system uh, paired with this back. And I will definitely include a link to this article from Petapixel in the show notes. 
The combination will offer a truly distinct photographic experience, including the classic waist-level shooting style of the V system enabled by the CFV Mark II 50C tilt screen, Hasselblad says. The 907X is compatible with all of Hasselblad's X-System lenses, and using adapters, photographers will be able to tap into lenses from the H-System, the V-System, and X-Pan. Hasselblad is also creating a line of accessories that include a control grip, and external optical viewfinder. And there are also a couple of uh, videos introducing the new body and back that will be uh, in that link in the show notes and you can go ahead and check out those videos for yourself. Hasselblad said they will be announcing additional details, pricing and availability for both the CFB Mark II 50C and the 907X body later on in 2019. So that's definitely something to get excited about. I've mentioned in previous episodes, I've always wanted to get into medium format, uh, into a medium format system myself, but they're a little bit out of my price range. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what price point Hasselblad comes in at for this combination. I have a feeling that even though it's going to be the smallest medium format camera system that you can buy, uh, I have a feeling the price tag on it's still going to be fairly hefty. And we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I understand, you know, with Hasselblad, you're paying for the name as well as the quality. But uh, as a general rule, it's one of the reasons why I've never gone to medium format because the digital ones are so bloody expensive. I mean, yeah, I can go on Amazon or eBay and I can pick up, you know, older Mamiya medium formats or, or, you know, cameras and stuff like that. And I can get up one for two, three, four hundred dollars but it's a film camera. So then you got to buy the film. You got to pay to develop the film. You got all the, uh, the additional extra expense. And I don't want to deal with any of that. If I do someday get into medium format, I want to go digital medium format and not have to deal with all those headaches. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. I have a feeling, though, this model's probably going to be pricey. Uh, I could be wrong. And, uh, and I'll explain why in just a second, because I'm going to be switching gears and talking about the next major announcement from Hasselblad. So the next announcement from Hasselblad is the introduction of the X1D Mark II 50C, which is going to be a faster and cheaper medium format mirrorless camera body. Now, some of you may and may not know, Hasselblad released the original X1D, I think it's been a couple of years ago now, and it's, an, it's a decent camera. You can't, of course, use it for anything action or any, you know, any kind of, uh, you can't shoot anything that's fast moving. It's more for portraits and landscapes and stuff like that. It does make incredible images. The software um, and it is pretty good. The user experiences uh, takes a bit to get used to, but it is, was a good camera. And uh, I know Tony Northrup did a review on it, and uh, he said it was a decent camera, but it, it was lacking in some areas, especially for the $10,000 price tag. Well, now Hasselblad has announced the release as of June 19th. They've announced that they're going to release the new X1D Mark II 50C, and they say this medium format mirrorless camera body, which is a follow-up to the X1D original, became available uh, when it was unveiled back in 2016, so I, I stand correct. It's been about three years now since the X1D came out. Hasselblad says, in the pursuit to continue the journey of taking medium format outside of the studio, we have put enhanced electronics in the camera for faster performance compared to its predecessor. 
The live view has a much faster refresh rate. There's reduced shutter lag, reduced blackout time between frames, a faster shooting speed of 2.7 frames per second, and a startup time that is twice as fast. There is still a 50 megapixel CMOS sensor at the core of the camera, a 43.8 millimeter by 32.9 millimeter one that measures 1.7 times larger than 35 millimeter full frame sensors. The sensor features a native ISO range of 100 to 25,600, a 14-stop dynamic range, which is very impressive, and a large 5.3 by 5.3 UM pixels for fantastic tonality. On the back of the camera is a higher resolution 3.6 inch, 2.36 million dot touchscreen up from the original 3 inch 920K dot touchscreen in the X1D. This is the largest LCD display currently offered on a digital medium format camera. The electronic viewfinder has been upgraded as well, going from 3.69 million dot EVF with a 0.87x magnification from the 2.36 million dot EVF found in the original X1D. The menu system can now be accessed when looking through the EVF as well, allowing photographers to work more seamlessly, especially if you're out in sunny conditions. In addition to 16-bit RAW photos, the camera can now capture full-resolution JPEGs on their own for photographers wishing to trade post-processing flexibility for a faster workflow. Speaking of workflow, Hasselblad's new Focus Mobile 2 app now allows photographers to connect their camera to an iPad via the USB-C or Wi-Fi to transfer RAW and JPEG files for editing while out in the field. There are a couple of short videos introducing this new camera, and I will include the link to this story and the videos in the show notes. Now, this does look extremely impressive. I watched a lot of videos on the original X1D, and it was an okay camera, but for $10,000, I wasn't going to pull the trigger, especially not when if I had the $10,000 to burn, I could go to Phase One, who's headquartered right here in Atlanta, and I could buy a factory refurbished one of their medium format cameras with the back. And uh, oftentimes you can get a package deal where you got the body, the back, and like an 80 millimeter lens as a complete set refurbished for like $9,000, $10,000, which would be a much better deal because you're, you're also getting a free lens. So... But I still haven't pulled the trigger yet. I'd really like to have a Hasselblad. We'll have to wait and see how things flesh out. Now, one of the things that really impresses me with the X1D Mark II, and it is available to order now with a price tag of $5,750. This new camera will begin shipping in July 2019. Now, to tell you, explain why I'm excited, by comparison, the original X1D, as I mentioned a little while ago, was priced at $8,995 when it was first announced. Um, but like I said, by the time you bought it and got the necessary items you needed for it, you were at $10,000 or better uh, before you actually had a system you could shoot with. So I am excited that the, uh, the Mark II version of the X1D is going to be faster, uh, easier to use, better performance, and the price tag, not quite, but it's getting close to where it's cut in half from what the original one cost. Now, the other reason why I say this is interesting is because if you know anything about cameras and, and what's going on in the camera world, Fuji has been going crazy with their 
mirrorless medium format cameras. They just announced, uh, released that new, uh, what was it, the GFX 100, I think, or something like that. It's a 102 megapixel sensor uh, medium format camera. And the thing that was that's interesting is Fuji has mirrorless medium format bodies, and they've been gradually bringing down their prices. They started out at about $10,000, and now there's some models of the Fuji film medium format mirrorless camera bodies that you can get for $4,500, $5,000. So I'm thinking with this Mark II of the Hasselblad X1D, I think Hasselblad is trying to get more competitive in their pricing so that they can try to steal a little bit of Fuji Films pie. And that's definitely a smart thing to do because anybody in the photography world that's a serious photographer, they know the Hasselblad name. And they know Hasselblad makes extremely high-quality cameras. They are expensive. You're paying for the name. You're also paying for the quality. It's kind of like buying Apple products, but... In my opinion, Hasselblad's a bit more expensive than Apple is, but um, I do dream of having a Hasselblad one day, and maybe with the with the X1D coming out at fifty seven fifty, maybe in a couple of years I'll be able to afford to pick one up, or who knows, maybe when the Mark III comes out in two or three years, they'll drop the price again, or or maybe they'll gradually drop the price of this one after it's been on the market for a little while. Uh, I'll just have to wait and see, but it definitely, definitely is a, is a compelling announcement from Hasselblad, two major announcements, uh, new cameras from Hasselblad this week, so that's really, really exciting. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is Nikon's July rebates plus a new Sigma sale. So, most of last month's rebates were extended, and you can find the details down at Adorama and B&H Photo. Adorama has a promotion on two Sigma lenses, the Sigma 35mm f1.4 DG HSM art lens. You can now pick up for $250 or 28% off, and it does include the firmware update USB dock, which is pretty cool. The Sigma 18 to 35mm f1.8 DC HSM art lens is now $270 or 34% off. It does not say if that one includes the dock or not, so I'm not going to assume that it does. This Sigma sale will expire on Monday, June 24th. The list of all discounted Sigma lenses can be found at the link, which I will include in the sale uh, show notes. And here is the detailed list of current Nikon repaints. On the Nikon Z series, their instant savings. On the Nikon Z body, $200 off at Adorama, B&H, or Amazon. The Nikon Z6 24-70 kit, $200 off at all three locations. The Nikon Z6 Filmmakers kit is also $200 off at all three locations. The Nikon Z7 body only will be $600 off. The Nikon Z7 24-70 kit will also be $600 off. And it does mention free Nikon FTZ adapter with the purchase of the Z6 or the Z7 body, either one. And if you're not familiar, the FTZ adapter is Nikon's adapter that allows you to adapt your F-mount Nikon lenses to the new Z-mount that they use on the Z6 and Z7, so you won't have to get rid of your F-mount glass, which is always good. If you can keep your high-quality glass and use a more modern technology, uh, a camera body that has more modern technology, that's a win-win for everybody in my book. That's what I did when I got my EOS R. I have, I have a couple of the RF mount lenses, but primarily I use the uh, 
control ring adapter and I keep using my L, you know, my EFL uh, high quality glass that I use with my DSLRs and that way I can use one set of lenses with both style bodies, both the RF mount and the standard EF mount. So it's a win-win. Now, Nikon DSLR instant savings, the Nikon D3400 combos up to 350 off, the Nikon D3500 combos up to 450 off, the 5600 combos up to 550 off, the D7200 up to 650 off, the 7500 up to 670 off, the Nikon D500 combos up to 670 off, the D610 combos up to $100 off, the Nikon D750 combos up to $1,000 off, which is very impressive, the Nikon D810 combos up to $800 off, the Nikon D850 combos up to $300 off, and it also mentions free MB to D12 with the D810 which is $429.95 off the normal price. And you get a free pack of D3400, D3500, two kit, two lens kit. You can get a $70 off instant savings. And there's some more of them here. I don't want to read through all of them because it's a long, long list. And I don't want to bore all my listeners to death reading every bit of it. Um, there is also some instant savings on Nikon's Cool Picks, which are their point and shoot cameras. And all of these rebates are set to expire on June 29th. So they've been extended longer. You have till pretty much uh, the end of June. You have until uh, a week from this Saturday to take advantage of these Nikon instant rebates. And if you're a Nikon shooter and you're looking to maybe upgrade your body or get some new glass, now would be the time to do it. While Nikon's got these July rebates going off um, along with the Sigma rebate sale as well. Now, the last couple of items I want to talk about are back in the world of Canon, which is what I primarily shoot. All of my cameras are Canon, with the exception of my DJI Phantom 3, and then I also have a couple of the Lytra Illum uh, light cameras, as well as my GoPros. Um, but now there is a deal on the Sigma 35mm f1.4 DGHSM Art Series lens, with the Sigma USB dock for $599. This is for the Canon mount. Now, the interesting thing about this is it comes with the dock and you're saving $300 because the normal price is $899. So you can definitely uh, take advantage of this if you want to upgrade to that Sigma 35mm 1.4 art lens. That lens is fantastic. I don't personally have one. I've seen a lot of video reviews on it. I've talked to photographers in person that have it and use it, and they absolutely love it. All you have to do is use the coupon code INSPIRE19 at checkout to see the $5.99 price. If you get a coupon code error, change your shipping method away from no rush shipping. Now, the key features on this, the lens mount is the Canon EOS. Fixed focal length, it's a 35mm lens, as I mentioned before. Lens format is full frame. So it will work on your crop body, uh, Canon bodies as well. It has a maximum aperture of f1.4. The special features, it's a spherical, the lens type, standard SLR lens, lens series is Sigma Art Series, Sigma DG Series. So that is a great deal on that 35 millimeter full frame lens from Sigma. And it is a fantastic lens. Like I said, I don't own one myself. 
I have the Canon lens, uh, the uh, EF, uh, I think it's, yeah, it's an F2.0 uh, with image stabilization. That's a great lens as well. It's a little bit less expensive than the Sigma on sale, but the se this Sigma is a bit better quality than the, than the Canon lens that I have an EF mount. Um, I do also have the new RF 35 millimeter from Canon, which is a 1.8. And I do believe that that lens actually beats out the Sigma in image quality. And it's still a little bit cheaper. That lens is only $450. So it's still $150 cheaper than this Sigma when it's on sale. But hey, this is a fantastic lens. If you pick one up, well, you got, they got the $300 off. And like I said, you're getting the free Sigma USB dock with it so that you can upgrade the firmware, calibrate the autofocus on the lens, all of that good stuff. It's great to have that USB dock. It was one of the smartest things that Sigma decided to come out with for their art series lenses, because then the customers of these lenses, you know, you're not paying a, a hefty amount of money for the higher quality art series lenses. And then have a you know anytime there's a major firmware update that fixes a, a bug in the previous firmware for the lens that maybe caused issues for you, the old way you had to send the lens into Sigma, you had to wait you know have their uh, repair and service center update the firmware for you, then ship it back to you, so you'd be without your lens for a few days and you couldn't shoot if you didn't have the lens handy. So it was definitely a smart thing for Sigma to come out with the USB dock so that you can update the firmware yourself. Now, uh, right now, the only art lens that I have from Sigma is my 12 to 24, which I've mentioned in previous episodes. I do also have the USB dock for it, and it is fantastic to have that. I recently had to update the firmware on that 12 to 24, and it was great to be able to just set it in that dock, have the dock plugged into my Mac, download the firmware update, run it, and in a few seconds, bam, new firmware in my lens, and I'm good to go. So it is absolutely handy having that capability. So if you are looking for a 35 millimeter lens that will make fantastic images, and you want to get that USB dock for free, now is the time to run over to Sigma and pick up the 35 1.4 DGHSM art lens. And as I mentioned before, you get the free USB dock with that. And with the Inspire 19 coupon code at checkout, you will get, you'll see the price change from $899 to $599, which is going to save you $300. And you're also, actually you're saving a little bit more than that because the USB dock is frequently $60 if you buy it by itself. So I guess you could say technically you're saving $360 because you're getting the USB dock that normally retails for $60 for free. So that is a really good deal. And I recommend all of my listeners check out these uh, rebates from Nikon. If you're a Nikon shooter, check out the rebates and sales from Sigma that they're continuing on. And get yourself some good deal on some glass or uh, Nikon bodies. If you're in the market for a new Nikon body, you can uh, save some money there as well. And I'm really excited to uh, see these uh, new announcements from Hasselblad. I'm going to be interested to see what the price will be on the 907X. But like I said, I have a feeling if it's got a digital back that's compatible with their other cameras, I have a feeling that one's going to be expensive. It might be the smallest medium format digital body ever, but I think it's also going to be very, very expensive um, being it uses that particular back, digital back. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Now, like I said before, the, the idea of the X1D Mark II 
dropping from nine to ten thousand dollars down to fifty-seven fifty. That is very intriguing because now Hasselblad is getting into almost the same price point as Fuji Film with their medium uh, mirrorless medium format bodies. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the market. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a win-win for consumers because now you have Hasselblad creating direct competition for Fujifilm. And Hasselblad is a heavyweight in the medium format world. It's going to be interesting to see if they're going to end up putting a serious hurt on Fujifilm's mirrorless medium format business. It's going to be definitely definitely be fun to watch this play out in the as we progress in the next year or two. It's going to be definitely uh, something you're going to want to sit back with a bowl of popcorn and watch and see the sparks fly. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the Land Photography Podcast. You've been listening to episode 25. I want to thank all of my listeners again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else you might be listening to the show. Be sure to leave comments on the episode or any questions you might have. You are welcome to join the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. You can search us out on Facebook. It is a closed group, but in order to join, you only have to answer one question, which is the name of the host of the show, which is myself, Liam Douglas. You can put Liam or Liam Douglas. Either one is perfectly fine, and you'll be in like Flint. And you are welcome, once you're in the group, to post your own photographs, your own original work. Please do not be stealing photos from other photographers. That will get you reported and banned from the group permanently. I can't stress that enough. I do not want people stealing other people's work and trying to pass it off as their own in this Facebook group. I love to see other people's work and I am not a harsh critic. I try to help people as much as I can. If they ask for uh, creative criticism, I try to be as helpful and, and positive as possible and not talk down to them like some people like to do. Um, but please, please, please keep in mind, only post your own a, original work. Don't even reshare another photographer's work into the group. Even if you have their permission, I don't care. If it's not your work, please don't post it in the group. If it is your work, you're welcome to post. Try to limit it to a maximum of five photos every 24 hours. And you can release them, you know, one at a time, every, you know, upload one every three or four hours. Or you can do the whole batch of five at one time. It's kind of like a little photo album in the, uh, the Facebook group's feed. That's perfectly fine as well. But let's try to limit it to no more than five images per day per person so that as more and more people start uploading images, it gives all of us the opportunity to, to see everybody's work, you know, leave comments, leave feedback, leave pointers, uh, all kinds of things like that to try to help out everybody as much as possible. All right. Thank you, everybody, for your time. And I will see you again in episode 26.